Welcome to the third season of Better News, a series of special podcasts It's All Journalism is producing in partnership with the American Press Institute. I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Better News offers strategies and case studies to help transform newsrooms. The effort is fueled by API and the Knight Lenfest News Initiative. The goal of this podcast series is to highlight some of the useful research API has published as part of its Better News Initiative. Each year, the Detroit Free Press uses a community impact report to show its readers and funders the impact journalism has on the community. Anjanette Delgado is the Senior News Director for Digital at the Detroit Free Press. She recently wrote an article for the American Press Institute's Better News Initiative about the paper's community impact report, and she's here to talk about it. Anjanette, welcome to Better News. Thank you, Michael. So first of all, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get involved in journalism? How did you end up at the Free Press? Well, I got involved in journalism decades ago by now, but, you know, I fell in love with Haste Up actually back in the day. And then I figured I needed a way in. So I started reporting and I was covering city government. I was typing obituaries. I was doing all those things you do when you get started. And then I worked in design for many years and then was an editor of a newspaper in California for a few years and really just fell in love with digital as we all transitioned into that. And I've been doing digital in New York and now in Michigan for many years. So I'm at the Free Press now, two years. Something romantic about Paste Up, I must say. <laughs> it's something very Absolutely. artistic. It's, it's like making your own furniture. It's centering. For those of you who don't know what paste up is, when you laid out a newspaper, you had to print out segments of a story, cut them up and paste them down with wax on a large layout sheet the size of a news page. Anyway, we could go on, but let's talk a little bit about this community impact report. What was the problem that the press was, the free press was trying to solve with this report? Yeah. And actually, if I could go back just a little bit, I started looking at impact tracking itself. When I was working in New York at a suburban newsroom called lowhud.com or the journal news in print. And that was around the time that analytics was really ramping up as a field in journalism and newsrooms were really paying attention to page views. And not only how can we generate a lot of page views, but what can we learn from what the analytics are teaching us? And I was working with an investigative team at the time, and we were really trying to figure out, well, how does this align with what the investigative team is doing? Because they don't publish as often, and the goal isn't the same necessarily. You know, it's not always trying to bring in the largest audience possible. Started to really look at impact tracking and how we could account for the change that happens in the real world as a result of or in conjunction with our journalism. And that was really kind of the seed of all of this. And we were doing some impact tracking there. We built an impact tracker so we could store this information in a database. And then when I got to the free press, we were doing that too. And I stumbled upon something that was really quite beautiful. It was something that the Minneapolis Star Tribune had done and Suki Dardarian at the Star Tribune was a huge help in talking us through it. But essentially what they did was a community impact report. And you'll see a lot of this from nonprofit newsrooms, 
not so much in for-profit newsrooms because nonprofit newsrooms typically have had to sort of justify the reason for the investment to funders and things along those lines. And so they've gotten used to reporting out what they need to say to funders. A lot of them, ProPublica is an excellent example of this. They will report right on their website. Here's our quarterly report to stakeholders, our annual report, those types of things. And I saw that Suki at the Star Tribune, they did one for a for-profit newsroom. And I, I just thought that was wonderful. And so I, I talked to her about this. She's also a Table Stakes alum. And one of the things that she really helped us think through is that this is about the community, right? It's not so much about your work and how good you might be. It's really about the change that happens in the community. And so that really helped us frame this. But essentially, that's it. We wanted to tell the story of what having the free press in your community might do for you and to make sure that people who were investing in our journalism, whether they were subscribers or funders, which is a growing part of our business, or anyone just believing in the free press and supporting the cause, could see what that was leading to. You mentioned Suki Dardarian of the Star Tribune in Minneapolis. We interviewed her and Chief Marketing Officer Steve Yeager on Better News back in 2019 about the Star Tribune's approach to live events. And you can find the link to that episode on API's website. What is the, the Free Press's current business model? So we are a for-profit business that survives on digital advertising revenue and also subscription revenue. And in the past few years, we've been getting into also funder support through things like Report for America. We were very fortunate to have an American Press Institute grant to cover some reporting work during the election this past fall. But you know, we're like most newsrooms out there trying to figure out a balance of revenue as we switch away from such a heavy reliance on digital advertising. So obviously you recognize that creating a community impact report for the Detroit Free Press would be a good thing. How do you implement that? Well, first I had to convince others. And with this, actually, that was a pretty easy thing to do. So my editor, Peter Batia at the Free Press is very much in support of this. We had an investigative editor at the time, Mark Rochester, who's now at Type Investigations. He was also very supportive of it. Those were two of the stakeholders I really needed. I also needed the marketing side of things because we were going to be doing something that we wanted to also make a printed version that we could take out to stakeholders in the community. But they all saw the benefit to doing this quite easily, especially looking at what the Star Tribune had done and some of the work that we had done at the Free Press to already talk about this and to already communicate this to readers. So first thing we did was we started compiling a list. I did a call out to the staff and asked them to tell me very specifically about any change that they felt they could attribute in some way to their journalism. And that's, that's a really tricky thing 
But it's also why I go straight to reporters and to the journalists themselves, because I find in my experience in doing this, that they are the ones who are going to be very brutally honest about it, right? And they're not going to take credit when credit is not due. They're often the ones who know the most. I mean, if you think about impact in general, you know, it hasn't been something we as an industry have been good in talking about. It's something we use to support award entries, right? To to put in a Pulitzer entry or something like that. But that generally, you know, the reporter and the editor might know about that and fill out the form. It's not really something we talk about broadly as a newsroom. And so I needed to go to reporters and hear what impact we were having. And then once we narrowed down a list of stories, we ended up with 15 to 20, I think our first year. And then they wrote it. I asked for two to three paragraphs. They wrote it, supplied it to me. We reworked some of that. We got photo involved because it's very important too with this that we are showing the people who have benefited. You know, this isn't a chance to put up a big photograph of everybody who works at the Free Press. This is a chance to show, you know, the we had the first year a man was released from prison because of some of our investigative reporting. And we have a photo of him hugging his family. You know, that's what this is all about. So we got photo involved pretty early. And then we scheduled a press date. This ran in print in the newspaper. And, you know, for someone who works mostly in digital, I I really felt still it was very important to get it out in print so we could get it to our subscribers and are most loyal of readers that way. And then we made an online version and then we made a glossy version. I know you just gave an example of somebody who had gotten out of jail because of the type of work that your reporters were doing. What other types of stories or what other types of impacts, you know, have you been able to sort of point to over the years? You know, that's a great question because some of it is very small, right? on the surface, it can feel at least very small. And so we had a story in New York where some sisters were living together in a convent and the boiler went out and they didn't have enough money to pay for that. And we wrote a story that a lot of local newsrooms would write about the fact that they were cold and it was winter. And and within a day of publishing that story, they had enough money in their GoFundMe to buy a boiler, you know? So it might be something like that rather than maybe, you know, a huge government investigation and, you know, somebody is caught with his hand in the cookie jar and ends up losing his job or there's a a state law is passed. Those are obviously very important and it's a lot of why we do what we do, but those are a little more rare in this business and a little harder to come by. But it'll be a broad mix like that. A great one from the free press is we were doing an investigation into Ford. And the investigation is called Out of Gear. And we really looked at transmissions in Ford automobiles sold for many, many years. And Phoebe Wall Howard is the reporter on that story. And she was able to show that Ford knew the transmissions were faulty. 
So in doing that, a lot of drivers, drivers who had struggled for years with cars, were able to get reimbursed for what they needed and were able to get help from her investigation. This is Ford extended the warranty on 600,000 vehicle transmissions after our reporting. That's certainly a huge impact. But like you said, there are also smaller things that, that you were able to include as well. And I like that you went to journalists to get their point of view, because, you know, we all know, kind of know the type of work we do, that sometimes there are big things, sometimes there are very little meaningful things that are going on. It's nice to have that perspective. Did you get any type of impact from your readers? Any feedback about the the reports you've done? We did, yeah. We regularly survey people who read and subscribe to the free press on a number of subjects. And we surveyed before this came out, trying to get their understanding of what kind of work we do at the free press, how satisfied or not satisfied were they with the work we were doing at the free press. And then we surveyed them shortly afterwards and we saw their satisfaction in the free press jumped 25 percentage points. That's just unheard of. And that was the 29 community impact report. And then after our 2020 report, we saw it even higher. So people say, you know, you care about what's going on in Detroit. We can tell that. We had somebody say, I was almost ready to cancel my subscription and I saw this. And now I went back in and subscribed again. It's good to see the things that you've done. Uh, another one was not many people do investigative journalism anymore. And it's nice to see that the free press does. I think, you know, for a lot of people, they knew the story the first time we published, but they didn't know all of this that either went into it or came out of it afterwards. And that really, I think for a lot of people, they took a look at that and said, wow, this changes how I feel about the free press. So in doing these community impact reports, is there anything that sort of surprised you about this process and the results you got and maybe the reaction you got? One thing that surprised me the first year, so this would be 2019 going into 2020, we did not have a digital subscription model at the time. So you could read whatever you wanted to read for free online, but we sold nearly a hundred subscriptions out of doing this that first year. And it was, there was a small call to action in the report that said, if you support what we're doing, please consider buying a subscription. And, and people did. And, you know, when you don't have a paywall, they don't have to. So to me, that really spoke to how this changed the minds of people who were reading it and the power of showing people the benefits of having journalism in your community. So did, do you think that by doing this, that you've been able to sort of accomplish the goals that you're setting out to try to address? I do. Yeah, I do. I mean, the pandemic and everything we've been doing to report on the coronavirus this past year, I mean, that basically took everybody's strategic plan for 2020 and, and rewrote it. But I would say for us, the only thing that we probably weren't able to do with this that we intended to do was to take the glossy version of it out to in-person events. There just weren't any. You know, we took it to one event probably in February before everything shut down. 
So this time around, because in-person events still aren't happening, we decided not to do the glossy version and to just do it in newsprint and online until things change. Is there anything that you, you're thinking of doing differently besides that going forward? One thing, and I'm not sure we'll do this because impact is not always something you see right away. You know, it often takes time. It takes dogged reporting. It takes, you know, not letting the issue go, or it might take someone who realizes that change needs to happen, but it takes a while to get through the legislature or something along those lines. So it's, it's not such an immediate thing. And I think putting time pressure on it is making it behave in a way that it doesn't naturally. However, that said, one thing I think we're considering is maybe doing maybe even a smaller version of it just on a quarterly basis. So we're not waiting for a full year to pass. Cool. Now, when was the most recent one that you released? December 27th in print and same day online. Was the focus mostly on uh, COVID, your COVID response? It was a mix, actually. I thought going into it, because it was such a blur last year with so much to do with coronavirus coverage and then protest coverage and then elections, was really thinking, you know, we might have essentially three stories. But there were a lot of little bits and pieces in the middle of that, I think that were really interesting. We did end up with a lot around the coronavirus. We did end up with a lot around the protests. There was like, for example, there's one story about a a woman who was trying to get unemployment benefits and really just struggling. There was something wrong with the system and she wasn't able to get what she needed to get. And within a day of us publishing, somebody from the state had called her and personally worked on her case and she was getting aid. It happened that quickly. And that was not a story I knew until I called out for reporters to tell us about their stories. You know, one interesting story, it's another Ford story. We do a lot of autos coverage here in Detroit, but this was a Ford story about how they they were rolling out the new Ford Bronco and they had inadvertently scheduled the release date for the anniversary of the O.J. Simpson Ford Bronco police chase back in 1994. And so we were reporting on this and Ford took the opportunity to not only change the date, but to get some really important conversations going within the company, you know, about domestic violence issues and with the United Auto Workers Union at the same time. And it was, it was a very interesting outcome of that reporting. We hadn't expected that, but a number of people have told us they really appreciated that opportunity to have those conversations. You've been doing this for a couple of years now in Detroit. You know, do you have reporters coming to up to at all times during the year saying, hey, you know, we just worked on this thing that we think should be in the impact report? I do. Yeah. And now that we're remote, I get emails, you know, and we track very, we track various things like, you know, appearances on television and things like that, where it's a sign that not just, hey, I got publicity for myself as a reporter, because that's not what we're interested in, but that your 
issue that you're covering is reaching a new audience in some way, or maybe has a national platform for a moment, those types of things. That's important in understanding how, how we get from reporting on a story to seeing something change. So what advice would you give to a newsroom who, you know, who may hear this and is thinking that doing a, um, you know, their own community impact report would be a good idea? Do it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's simple. I would pass on Suki's wonderful advice about not making it so much about you and making it about the community and how the community benefits from having you. I mean, that enables us to talk about not just our journalism, but also things like the Detroit Free Press Marathon, which raises quite a bit of money that goes back into the community every year. And so it, it opens up the scope of what you can talk about. But I would say, you know, there's no better time than now because we're all looking at how we can be sustainable in the future. And, you know, we're going to be looking at not only subscribers, but funding for journalism and just wanting people to really feel like there's a there's a reason you should invest in and support journalism, especially at a time when not only is your business model changing quite rapidly, but also people are adjusting their attitudes about who they might trust to tell them the truth. We've been talking to Senior News Director of Digital, Anjanette Delgado, about how the Detroit Free Press is using its annual community impact report to show readers the effect of local journalism on the community. Thanks for being on Better News, Anjanette. Thank you very much, Michael. Thanks for listening to Better News, a co-production of the American Press Institute and It's All Journalism. API's Better News initiative offers strategies and case studies to help transform newsrooms. You can find out more about the Better News initiative and this podcast at betternews.org.